the, the music is like a kind of call to prayer for this show, isn't it? Welcome to Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis. He is Ron Filipkowski, and uh, he's the editor-in-chief of MidasTouch.com. And every Wednesday, he and I come together to react to the news that is just breaking, but also look at some of the MAGA propaganda that is not really covered by the mainstream media, and we uncover it here on Uncovered. Um, Ron, it's all happening. It's all kicking off. Today is a, a very big day for uh, the news, starting, of course, with the MAGA Republican Mike Johnson, who has been voted House Speaker, 220 to 209 votes. Every House Republican voted for this far-right Christian nationalist um, white supremacist. He really is the last person you want in this role. And and just fu- just quickly to quote Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece, she said the fascists have taken over the House of Representatives. Yeah, I think that that's true. I mean, we had the drama yesterday with the establishment candidate, Tom Emmer, uh, which we can talk about in a second, which was just bizarre behavior by Trump yet again. Um, but what we ended up with was this guy that that many of his colleagues were Googling last night because they didn't know who he was. Uh, many members of the Senate were Googling him as well because they didn't know who he was. He's sort of a backbencher, not well-known guy. But it's, it's basically like taking a 45-year-old Pat Robertson and making him Speaker of the House. You know, that's pretty much where we're at. He's against gay marriage. He wants a complete ban on abortion. Uh, He wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. He wants to repeal Obamacare. We can go on and on and on. He ideologically, from a policy standpoint, yeah, I mean, he's basically like a more religious version of Ron DeSantis. And he got up uh, into the speaker chair and made a, a speech, a brief speech. And everything he said was about divine intervention about how this was God's decision and that God put him here and God put us all here and God has chosen us to do this. And I was thinking to myself, what happened to the separation of church and state? You know, he he will put, you know, Christian nationalism at, at the center of a lot of this. We're not talking about moderate Christianity here, are we? No. And just to be clear, I mean, people like him in the far right, they do not believe in the separation of church and state. And part of the reason why they don't believe in it is because of some of the vagueness in the Constitution, uh, where it says that the government can't establish a religion. And the way that that has been interpreted by the Supreme Court 100 years ago is to read that statement to mean that there is a separation of church and state. But those words are not actually in the Constitution. And that's what people like him argue, is that they're really never should have been a separation of church and state, that the founders never wanted that, that they never intended for that to be the case. I think they did, but they don't believe that. And so really what they're trying to do is repeal that old case law from 100 years ago and do away with the separation of church and state. So, yeah, he's definitely in that camp. And they have the same view about democracy. They say we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic. Correct. And I heard him use that language as well. Yep. So, uh, you know, and he voted, just to be clear, he voted against the certification of the 2020 election, right, which makes him an insurrectionist. But he's also the guy that I saw in one of these committee hearings where he was grilling a medical doctor about abortion. 
and he kept saying, you know, would you would you kill the baby as it was passing through the birthing canal? I mean, the most horrific, vile, inappropriate language that he was just trying to trick her to say that, um, you know, to make it look like that she would be willing to do that. And of course, the, the woman on the stand did not. I forget her name and I apologize, but I have, I have actually tweeted that clip. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with somebody who is not normal. He is extreme at the very least. Yeah. And also his remarks on Social Security were pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, where, that was nuts. Yeah. Where, you know, instead of arguing, you know, raising the age or raising the price or yeah. taxing it or whatever, you know, whatever different reforms are out there. What he said is, look, the solution to Social Security is to have more babies. And yeah. and if we ban abortion, that's going to produce more babies and that will help save Social Security. Yeah. More people insane. paying into the system. Yeah. Force women to give birth to help us in our retirement. <laughs> and it, it's it's not just a puerile and 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 pathetic argument lacking all intellect, but it is it is also the language of the Christian nationalists who have a very kind of unorthodox way of thinking and they have convinced themselves. And we'll talk about Jenna Ellis in just a little while, but you know, she argues that she also was, you know, in this world, God told her to do this and and you end up with for those of us, you know, I'm a, I'm an atheist, as you know, and, and so to me, like, none of this has any value. And yet for them, it's their entire argument that God told them to do this stuff. Yeah. And, and when they start mixing it with policy, yeah, that's when it becomes very... I mean, we're seeing that even in Israel. I mean, a huge part of the reason why so many of these evangelicals are very pro-Israel is not anything to do with collective security or national security or national interest. It goes back to the Bible. That's because yeah. that's where Jesus is from. Right. And that's the homeland. And the Jews are God's chosen people. So we should help them. Yeah. And that's their argument versus helping you Israel versus helping Ukraine. Yeah. Is that, you know, Ukraine's not in the Bible. Well, and also they all want to end up in Israel because, of course, that being the Holy Land, and that's where they're going to get their their absolution. You know, that that is the place that ultimately in, in, in the spirit world i don't know what you would even call it this is where you know these people want to want to end up um well, and that's why for secular people our you know dream destination might be rome or something but theirs is yeah. jerusalem i mean yeah. so many evangelicals spend their vacations in israel yeah mine is hollywood um let's <laughs> uh, let's just talk a little bit more about about mike johnson before we move on and talk about the cases that are happening at the moment he he is from louisiana right and so yeah. uh you could argue that a lot of his politics is maybe you know inspired by the the the, the cult i don't know the culture you explained to me how louisiana will kind of impress upon him to bring certain types of bills to the house you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely I mean, it, we just had a Democratic governor of Louisiana, but yeah. a relatively centrist one. But sure, I mean, he's a Southern evangelical. I think he's Baptist um, and he's going to and, you know, Louisiana has a history in this country of disproportionate power to their population because they have a history of having um, their congressmen and senators serve long periods of time. And so they've always had. Um, their their representatives in senior positions on committees or speakers or so Louisiana has always been an in an odd position where they've always had far more influence in the federal government uh, than their population really warrants. 
And then finally, we should just say that what are the chances of, a, of, of, of avoiding a government shutdown with this guy in charge? Because I get the feeling, because, you know, he's Trump endorsed, he's a, he's a MAGA Republican. I get the feeling he's going to be pushing for a government shutdown. Well, what he said he wants to do is basically the same thing McCarthy was trying to do, which is what he said is he wants another continuing resolution to give him time. Um, because what he wants to do is what the Freedom Caucus, what the Freedom Caucus wants is they want nine separate appropriations bills to be passed, separate votes. In other words, not rolled up in one big omnibus bill like Pelosi always did, separated out defense, you know, uh, domestic spending, et cetera, aid to Ukraine and separate packages and vote up or down on each one. And what he wants is another continuing resolution to extend extend the deadline out to January to give him time to do all of that. Well, right. that's what McCarthy was arguing that he was doing. So it's basically the same thing. Um, you know, that's it's definitely a different approach, whether they would be able. The problem is getting those nine things passed through the Senate because in many cases, they're going to cut a lot of funding for things that the Senate will not agree with. The most interesting thing to watch is Ukraine, because he is against Ukraine funding. The Senate and the White House both wants to put Ukraine funding in a package with Israel funding and funding for the southern border. Yeah. Uh, House Republicans want to decouple that. If they do decouple it, the Senate will likely reject that, and that could get bogged down. And as we know, there's an urgent need to get both things through quickly. So whether he's going to agree that that's urgent or not, we will see. And the final thing, in addition to being anti-abortion, um, also introduced federal legislation modeled on Florida's don't say gay bill and, and, and has been opposed to gender affirming care. And, and obviously, Absolutely. you know, to be so outwardly anti-LGBTQ plus at this time when it's obviously so difficult for the trans community and the gay community generally to hear this rhetoric, more of the same now, no chance of it, uh, uh, of it quietening down. Because he believes that being gay is against God's design and yeah. against God's will. So it's immoral. And he's always been against gay marriage and is against gay marriage to this day. So, so yeah, if Obergefell gets overturned, which is certainly possible. Um, he voted against the federal statute to codify gay marriage. He voted against that. So, yeah. yeah, on so not only on economic issues, but on social issues, he is very far right. Um, let's talk about Donald Trump, because as we speak, he has been in court once again. I mean, he's going to be in court pretty much every day or every other day for the next foreseeable, right? And, I mean, with, with so many cases against him. Here with Judge Ngoran again, this is the violation of the gag order, something that Midas Touch actually exposed initially. Tell us about how that happened and, and what happened with the initial fine and then today with this new fine. So on the last one, yeah, it was um, it was Ben or Brett. I'm not sure which which one of the brothers uh, first uh, got a tip or somebody had tipped them off that, you know, Trump had made the social media post doxing the judge's clerk, and yeah. that's what got him in trouble. The judge ordered him to, to take down any reference to his clerk. Trump took that down off Truth Social. However, we got the tip that it was still up on his campaign website. 
and he actually had sent it out in an email and a fundraising email as well. Right. So we became aware of that and we posted that and we said, look, Trump is still violating this gag order. So I think what happened is um, one of the reporters or somebody, one of the lawyers in the courtroom saw our story, alerted the judge to it and yes, brought him in. And, and of course, Trump claimed, look, I'm not in charge of the website. That's my employees. One of my employees screwed up. They didn't take it down. With Trump, there's always yeah. buffers. Always, between, some, always someone else al- to blame. Always an explanation, yeah. right? So, you know, the judge, I get, you know, I guess in that instance, I can understand a little bit him giving him the slap on the wrist and stern warning, which he did. $5,000 fine. Don't do it again or I might put you in jail. So I didn't have the hugest problem with that one because there was some plausible deniability there. But this new one today, I'm I'm pretty upset at the judge for for not yeah. doing more than a ten thousand dollar fine today. And and I would just caveat this with that we were told that Donald Trump would be treated like any other defendant. Yeah, and no. this is absolutely not happening, is it? He nope. is getting special treatment. He's getting ex president treatment because of the ramifications of you know, the, I don't know, public outcry or unrest or something. I mean, what is the reason why a $5,000 fine followed by today's $10,000 fine? What is the reason for this? Because, you know, this is like Trump getting free publicity for his campaign. Yeah, I think that uh, this judge is so, and and others are, is so afraid of putting this man in jail. Even if, you know, even if he just put him in jail for a week or 10 days, I think Trump would learn a very hard lesson just spending a night in jail. Yeah. But that's the only thing that's going to get through to this guy. But of course, then you have all the Secret Service issues and all of that involved. So I think the judge is probably processing all of that, what that would entail. Um, But it's the only thing that's going to stop this guy. He's not going to stop with fines. He takes the fines, he uses them to fundraise, and he makes 100 times more than the fine. So what he did today was he he was mad because he was unhappy with how Mike what Michael Cohen was testifying to today. He goes out during the morning break and he says credit rips the judge again and the judge has already told him not to give these little press conferences in the courthouse. He just ignores that. It's thumbs his nose at the judge on that. But then he he criticizes the judge, but the gag order is only the judge's staff. So what he says next is and the person sitting next to the judge is even worse, even more biased. Well, that's his clerk yeah. who's sitting next to him. Yeah. So he gets hauled. He comes back from the break, gets hauled in front of the judge. And the judge says, you know, you just did it again. And then Trump's lawyer said, oh, no, no. He was talking about Michael Cohen. He wasn't talking about the. So it's always like some explanation. Oh, no, he didn't mean the clerk. So. So the judge said, I'm going to think about what I'm going to do, comes back after the lunch break, orders Trump to get on the stand, puts him under oath and says, who are you talking about when you said person sitting next to me? And he said, oh, I was talking about Michael Cohen, judge. And the judge says, I don't believe you. You're not. I don't find you to be credible. I think you're lying. I'm finding you ten thousand dollars. And, you know, up to that point, everything was great, you know, but. But then, you know, we find him $10,000. Just what a joke. I mean, Trump Trump just has to has to laugh about something like that. 
Here's a little clip of, of Trump criticizing Cohen in the, in the courthouse. So he's alive, he's trying to get a better deal for himself, but uh, it's not going to work. This case, by any other judge, this case would have been over a long time ago. We did nothing wrong, and that's been proven. Thank you. We'll be out there. I also noticed that Trump was asked, you know, how's it going? And he said, oh, it's going really well. You know, we did great in there rewriting the narrative and and there has been this is kind of interesting is it that, that some commentators have said that his lawyer Alina Haber is actually doing kind of well you know she's with, with, with the with the Cohen case the way that she's presenting the arguments well she's doing well because she's cross-examining Michael Cohen right and Michael Cohen is fertile ground to plow for any cross-examiner because look cohen because he's a former trump employee right well not only that i mean cohen has ad freely admitted and admitted on the stand that he lied so many times he lied to the senate he lied to the house he lied in court he lied to the press i mean he went years and years in trump's employ and slight and a little bit thereafter in, until he agreed to cooperate with the government and made his deal, he lied right up until that point. So, you know, when as a cross examiner, anybody out of law school could take all those lies and have a field day. And, and that's what she did, you know, just walking through all the times when he lied and he freely admitted that he lied. So, yeah, that's going to make any lawyer look good when you have a witness like Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen's a bit all over the place. And, and the other problem is, is that Michael Cohen Basically, his business now is Donald Trump. His yeah. business is criticizing Donald Trump through his podcast, through his book sales. And she brought out that he also has a financial incentive to continue to trash Trump. So so, yes, she was she was made to look good because she had a witness that was very vulnerable. And we should also say at this point that Michael Cohen is a contributor to the Midas Touch Network. Yes. And uh, there's there's plenty of podcast action to uh, to catch with him down below. Um, let's talk about uh, what happened on the 9th of October. Special counsel Jocks, uh, Jack Smith, he dropped a cryptic and intriguing nugget in a court filing in the classified documents case against Trump. New revelations coming out that actually Trump might have been sharing classified information with this Australian businessman. Um, and Anthony Pratt, his name is... Um, Pratt by name, Pratt by nature. Funny looking chap. When yeah. you see them side by side, <laughs> was it somebody wrote that it looks like Donald Trump's face is Anthony Pratt's hair and vice versa? <laughs> I think that I think that's what it was. But anyway, not to be disrespectful of someone's appearance, Anthony Pratt has now all these tapes have been released, released to Jack Smith of Anthony Pratt basically saying what a Pratt Donald Trump is. Just explain for us. So two weeks ago in um, Jack Smith's response to Trump's attempt to delay the trial in the documents case, he mentioned some of the reasons why it shouldn't be delayed and why they were bending over backwards to get Trump discovery and all of that. There was one line in there, and, the, and that's the line that caught my attention and a couple other legal analysts, which was he said, you know, we are also prepared to prove, even though we don't have to. We are also prepared to prove the reason why Trump took these documents and what he intended to do with them. Now, this led me to believe and others that, OK, this means Trump did not just take these as trinkets to show off to his friends. 
he had specific illegal bad reasons for taking these for each one. And he picked out certain ones that he wanted and he had specific reasons for wanting each one. So that takes the documents case to a whole nother level. Now we're not just talking about him stealing shit because he wanted to show off. Now we're talking about him having an evil intent, maybe a treasonous intent. So, but we were all wondering, well, what, what is the proof? What is the evidence? Two weeks later, we have Pratt come out and tell his story to Australia 60 Minutes and talk about the fact that and outline sort of how Trump used classified information to leverage and to make money to yeah. off him because yeah. this guy is giving Trump millions of dollars in VIP tickets, donations, staying at his hotel, his resorts, etc. Becoming and a Trump member is sharing of with him this stuff. Right. And, yeah, and, and so it it he, it shows how he creates this financial incentive to play president and to share secrets with powerful people, powerful businessmen who are seeking access and influence. So when you take that combined also with Mark Meadows, which we'll talk about in a minute, because Mark Meadows would have been the one who would have directed which documents to round up and take. Yeah. Why? You start to see the case coming together. And this is what you and I were discussing last week, the idea that there is, you know, that Jack Smith has got stuff up his sleeve. Yes. And this really is the first nugget of that, that there is yep. corroborating evidence to say that it was very specific documents that were taken. There was leverage involved because we all had a hunch, you know, like, who's he going to blackmail or who's he going to sell documents to? Well, now we're starting to find out. We're starting to find out. And I think... There was a different motive for each document. I think he had a very specific purpose. I want this to blackmail Mark Milley. I want this to use against Mike Pence. Right. I want, you know, I want this to give to someone. I want this to show to someone. He had different reasons for each thing. The person who knows those reasons, one of them is Mark Meadows. And so it had to be even more devastating to him to learn yesterday that Mark Meadows has three times testified in front of a grand jury. Right. You know, every instinct in, in my body and mind, and I'm sure uh, plenty of people watching too, of Trump being like a terrible person or being a traitor or having evil intentions, all of my instinct always turns out to be true. You know, or the more time we spend in this guy's orbit, the more evidence that comes out, it just corroborates our own instinct for, for, what, a, for what awful awful president he was and how dangerous his presidency will continue to be and along those lines i think people fall into a trap when they say that donald trump is stupid and an idiot and yeah, in, in many ways he is he's uneducated he's uncultured he's uninterested in learning about the world or history yeah. or all of that in that sense he is stupid but he's not stupid in the respect that he is very cunning and he's very sinister and for his scams and his schemes, he's actually quite smart and he understands how to cover up and how to protect himself and how to do things. So, yes, finally, there's somebody who's unraveling the schemes and, and boring in on them. But up to this point, look, Trump's gotten away with this stuff his whole life. It's a little bit like petty criminals, you know, burglars and people like that who 
were born into a, a life of crime, even on a small scale, and they just don't know how to go straight. So if they go to prison, they come out of prison, they just go back to crime. It's like the only way they know how to make a living. And that, to me, is how Trump is. You know, he fancies himself as a, as a mob boss. He considers the Trump organization, the Trump family, to be like a mafia family. And, and it's like this is his vocation. You know, breaking the law is his pleasure. And the denials, you know, we've done nothing wrong, we've done nothing wrong. It's so offensive to anybody and everybody who abides by the rule of law because he just doesn't care for it. He, he doesn't think it should apply to him. The Constitution shouldn't apply to him because he knows more than everybody else. He's smarter than everybody else. And only he has the solutions to all the world's problems. So all of these things, rules and laws just get in the way of his ability to you know be the be the benefactor of the world be the autocrat let's let's um talk about um mark meadows just in, in this moment because i always said and i said to you a while back and i've been saying on the weekend show that you know mark meadows really is the the nucleus of a lot of this evidence isn't he his his cell phone and his burner phone and no matter you know his emails i mean there's so much information was coming in and going out because he was the chief of staff he held the position longer than any other chief of staff we had a we had a few didn't we well we had uh, john kelly for a while but but the point is that mark mark meadows was totally up for the criminal scheme to overturn the election to do trump's bidding he was on board a hundred percent and now we've discovered that, as you just said, he's spoken to a grand jury three times. But in return for immunity, he is flipping on his former boss, Donald Trump. What, what does this mean for the case as a whole? And, and do you think it's possible that Mark Meadows can tell the truth? I mean, is he going to be able to, you know, put his hand on a Bible and see that through? Well, I think so. I, I, I think so, because I think that Mark Meadows is... Look, I, I said this way back. I said two things way back in 2021, and I've reposted these tweets several times, which is if, if you're at 30,000 feet as a, as, as a jacksmith and you are looking at the whole conspiracy of what happened on January 6th, and you needed to identify one person who was the hub of the wheel, where all roads lead to, to Rome, all roads lead to one person, Trump, members of Congress, Proud Boys, Oath Keep, you know, all of these outside groups, Rudy, uh, Michael Flynn, everyone involved in this, the fake elector scams, John Eastman, all the spokes lead to the one hub, and that's Mark Meadows. And Mark Meadows is the connection to Trump. Uh, and so what I said at the time was, if you could choose one person to flip, to, to go after and get on your side and give him the sweetheart deal of the century to get his ass out of trouble. I would choose Mark Meadows, right. not because he's a good guy, because he's a scumbag, but because he knows everything. He has the goods on everyone, including members of Congress. And so what I said at that time is make a deal with Meadows. And number two, he's a weak man. He's not somebody like a Scott Perry or a Jim Jordan who's going to take a bullet for Donald Trump. This man is very weak uh, constitutionally. This man will, will give in. This man will cave to save himself. This is what we know about Meadows. And so 
He was a good target, an e a soft target in that respect, and a valuable target. And so some people might grumble, well, he's going to get off scot-free. I don't care because he's going to take so many people down, it's going to be well worth it. I was just about to grumble that he's going to get off <laughs> scot-free <laughs> because this is the problem, isn't it? You know, we've got Ken Cheeseborough, who's flipped. We've got Jenna Ellis, who's flipped. We'll talk about her in a minute. Um, and Meadows taking, getting this immunity deal, this plea deal. Um, who's the, th who's the third person that's flipped that I skipped over? Isn't there three? Yeah. Mm. So yeah, Ooh. Ellis, there's, there is another person. That there is, I, an, I there is think. another one. Isn't it's not somebody uh, that's that significant. I don't yeah. think. And so, you know, the, the, the flippage means what a, 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 a sentence. It, mean, it means that avoiding prison, right? I know that much, but Will there be some punishment for these characters, you know, these these scumbags, as you describe? Because to get away with it completely, I mean, I think in the British judicial system, they would get a reduced sentence. Is that That's not what's going to happen here, though, is it? Well, I mean, they got they got probation. I mean, they're on probation. I think, you know, their law licenses are likely to be lost. I don't think that they can practice law again. So, they're, you know, that's pretty significant. Um Sydney Powell is the other person Sydney that we're Powell. trying to think well of. Well done. Ten yes. Because <laughs> I was thinking there was three lawyers. So, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, three lawyers are not going to be able to practice law, most likely. Um, I don't know what they're going to do for a job because, you know, a lot of these guys, even though they couldn't necessarily practice law that much or get as many clients as they used to, they at least had the grift going. You know, they had their right. podcasts and and they were part of the MAGA team. But, but now that's gone. I mean, no one's going to trust these people anymore on Team MAGA. Uh, as far as, as far as, you know, they, yeah, they have a few defenders, but not many. So I'm not really sure how any of these people are going to earn a living, you know, the rest of their lives. Um, in an, and, and the grift like was them earning a living, wasn't it? I mean, this is the point that, you know, I'm convinced that some of them, if not all of them, even if they knew in the back of their mind that the election wasn't rigged and they, you know, just went along with it because they were just, you know, trying to help the whole, the, the MAGA ethos, MAGA movement, that, you know, if they knew and they they still carried out these crimes, that is, you know, that kind of makes them a terrible person. But they're earning a living from it, aren't they? They, they are grifting, they're receiving funds, uh, campaign funds in some cases. And so, as you say, they're, they're out of a job because they've bitten the hand that feeds them. Yeah, they really have. And, you know, corporate America is not going to hire them. A big law firm's not going to hire them. And now their MAGA grifts are going to dry up because they're cooperating with the government. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, I don't think they're going to have a happy ending, even though they might avoid prison. Yeah. Um, Trump has posted on Truth Social a whole diatribe about Mark Meadows. I'm going to read it out. I'll put it on the screen. It's very small for me to read. So I'm going to read it off my phone. But this this is something you can explain to us the significance of this, because, you know, this is the thing that is is so terrifying in my view about Donald Trump is that he cannot take direction from a judge. It's like he just has no interest in following he, you know, the requirements to keep quiet. 
He posted, I don't think Mark Meadows would lie about the rigged and stolen 2020 presidential election merely for getting immunity against prosecution, then in brackets persecution, by deranged prosecutor Jack Smith. But when you really think about it, after being hounded like a dog for three years, told you'll be going to jail for the rest of your life, your money and your family will be forever gone, and we're not at all interested in exposing those that did the rigging, if you say bad things about that terrible monster Donald J. Trump, we won't put you in prison. You can keep your family and your wealth, and perhaps if you can make up some really horrible stuff uh, and out him, we may very well erect a statue of you in the middle of our decaying and now very violent capital, Washington, D.C. Some people would make that deal, but they are weaklings and cowards, and so bad for the future of our failing nation. I don't think that Mark Meadows is one of them, but who really knows? Make America great again. Ron, he is nuts, this guy. I mean, like, that was like a thousand thoughts in, in one post. And none of it made sense. Well, it makes sense to me being a criminal <laughs> lawyer. That's a right? threat. That's it's a, a threat. threat from a it's mob a threat. boss. Yeah. That's what that is. They, yeah. He's he's telling Mark Meadows, uh, listen, man, you know, you can you can back out of this. You can just say that they pressured you to lie. You don't have to go through with this. Because look, I've I've defended racketeering cases. I've I've defended racketeering cases where the the government had flipped a lot of co-defendants against my clients. Yeah. And I can tell you that a lot of pressure was put to bear on those people who flipped. And many of them chickened out of testifying. In fact, some of them were in the back room getting ready to be brought out onto the stand and refused to go into the courtroom. <laughs> they were because they they chickened out at literally at the last minute. And the reason why they chicken out is because of things like this intimidations, veiled threats. Oh, Mark, I'm sure you're not going to do this. I'm sure you're only doing this because they're threatening you. And, and I'm sure that you are not going to go through with this. So, you know, when the gag order was, and people said, well, you know, judge Chudkin stayed the gag order, so you can't do anything. That's nonsense. That is not true because when they, they had the hearing on the gag order, Trump's lawyers argued that a gag order wasn't needed because there was already a, a pretrial release order on him not to tamper with witnesses. And that's what this is. So there doesn't need to be a gag order for this to be a violation of his pretrial release. And, and the frustrating thing for me, and I defended DOJ for two years, is I'm done defending them, is that they will not take action on things like this aggressive yeah. action yeah this is a violation of his pretrial release he should have been hauled into court tomorrow for this i maintain my position and i know that it's not popular on this network but i still think trump is going to get away with all of this you know <laughs> I, I i i and i know you know i'm one of the few commentators who is not a lawyer but i i i'm just using my kind of social instinct and my understanding of how the office of president, even if you're a fascist, for some reason seems to be more important than getting justice done. I don't like judging Goran, I have to say, just for a moment, when they showed that video clip of the camera panning around the courtroom and then it came to him and he took off his glasses and gave a grin. I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? 
This is the reason we wear wigs and gowns in the High Court in, in England, because it's serious. This is a serious thing. This is probably the most important and serious uh, trial and set of trials, because, of course, there's plenty of them, in, in, in American political and legal history. A president well, trying to overturn an election and then lying, lying about it and lying to his, 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 his base. Let me just say that they, they do that, that one-minute um, courtroom cam every day, and yeah. he hasn't done it since because he yeah. took a lot of heat for it. Right. Uh, but you're right. There's no universe where I could have possibly imagined doing that as a judge in that situation. I, I have no idea where he It was like an episode of The Muppets, you know? It, it was I just, crazy. I, I didn't enjoy any of that. And, and, and the seriousness of the courtroom... You know, the outside of courtrooms, another thing about kind of England, English history for you, just a brief history lesson. I know you're a former history teacher, so you'll know. They made courtrooms look scary with like gargoyles and, and, go- <laughs> and gothic um, scripture and all kind of cra- to, to make defendants feel the seriousness of being up in front of a judge. Yeah. And for him to pull faces and gurn and, and make it and then and then a $5,000 fine, a $10,000 fine. The guy's a joke, Ron. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say, too, uh, as far as him getting away with this, I'll go back to that. Yeah, There is only one way that he gets away with this, and I think Trump fully understands that, and that is his strategy. The only way he gets away with this is to postpone all of the cases until after the election and then win the election. That's his only way of beating all of this. He understands that. And that's why they're filing all these motions, recuse, change venue, appeal this, appeal that. They're going to do everything they possibly can to delay this until after the election. And then if he wins, he pardons himself on the federal stuff. He can't be prosecuted in state court. So, you know, he's home free. And we have a fascist as House Speaker. It all, you know, the whole kind of plan, the big big plan of installing these... Uh, kind of Trump-friendly characters up and down the country in various places, not just in ju- the judiciary, but also you know re- as representatives, and then sticking one of these people in the in the speaker chair. It's it's a terrifying thought. And you know, I'll just caveat my view of the fact that I think he's going to get away with it with saying that for me, even house arrest in Mar-a-Lago is getting away with it, being allowed to continue his lavish life, play the golf hang out with his friends, pretend oh, to be the president, wearing the badge and, you know, being called Mr. President, even if he's found guilty, I think the worst he'll get is is, is just, you know, hanging out in Mar-a-Lago for the rest of his life, which... Oh, well, I don't agree love. with that part. I think if he's found guilty, he's going to prison. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward. How long do we have to wait for this? It's, <laughs> you know, the, I'm, for- I'm putting all my faith in Judge Chutkan and the January sixth case. I have no faith in anything else. No. That's where all my faith is. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that episode that we do. Maybe we'll try and be in the same room for that episode. You know, so, okay. So we can like get hold of each other. All Listen, right. we have to uh, take a quick pause for our sponsor, but we're going to come back, and I want to talk about Jenna Ellis, and I'll show that video of her pretending to cry or or managing to turn on the taps when pleading guilty for trying to uh, overturn the election as she did in uh, in Georgia. That's uh, next here on Uncovered. 
Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having consistent nighttime routine is non-negotiable. When I don't get enough sleep, trust me, you don't want to be around me the next day. Introducing Beam Dream. You know, we've been raving about Beam Dream powder, their healthy hot cocoa for sleep. And today, our listeners get a special discount on Beam Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like sea salt caramel, cinnamon cocoa, and chocolate peanut butter. Better sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. A recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth and enjoy before bedtime. I've personally tried Beam Dream and it lived up to the hype. Beam Dream is delicious and just a wonderful nighttime routine. And also, most importantly, it helped me fall asleep and stay asleep. The next day I woke up ready and eager to take on all of life's challenges and tasks. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash uncovered and use code uncovered at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash uncovered and use code uncovered for up to 40% off. We're back with Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis, and uh, he's Ron Filipkowski. We are just working our way through the big news of the day. Of course, the uh, House Speaker has finally been um, voted upon, and a, a character, Mike Johnson, has won 220 votes. All House Republicans voted for him. Uh, so we've been looking at that and Trump's gag order and talking about how Trump's been sharing nuclear secrets, potentially. Uh, if you missed the beginning of the show, of course, once we've finished, you can rewind and uh, and go again. Let's talk about uh, Jenna Ellis now, Ron, because uh, she is... Well, first, just tell us who she is and why, you know, I want to kind of build up to her pleading guilty because I was kind of surprised. What about you? Yeah, it sort of did come as a surprise out of nowhere, especially since she had raised so much money saying that she was going to fight it. She raised $216,000 on her Give, Send, Go, yeah. which is sort of like the Christian version of GoFundMe. Right. And... um her lawyer ran the account. It's just amazing grift. You know, you get charged with a crime and your lawyer sets up this give, send, go, and the money starts rolling in for all these people. And constantly using the excuse of being a good Christian all the time. This is what drives yeah. me mad about it. It's like, you know, using either God as, a, as an excuse or, you know, I'm a good Christian and therefore... I am pleading guilty because I'm a good Christian and God has told me to do this and it's the right thing. What about before when you were helping Donald Trump overturn the election and everybody in the country in their right mind knew that there was no election fraud and and, and yet you're carrying this out for, for Donald Trump? That's what I don't understand is, is the, the double standard and, and the use of religion to kind of make it okay. Yeah, and I'm not sure how she ended up 
with Rudy and Sydney um, Powell because I know that, you know, I know how they found Powell, but I'm not really sure how they hooked up with Jenna because Jenna was a pretty obscure Colorado lawyer. You know, people derisively referred to as a traffic court lawyer. I think she did more than that. She did sort of, she had a, a small practice doing some smaller cases, but referred to herself as a constitutional attorney. And she went the full MAGA and said the election was stolen. Somehow she got lumped in there with Rudy and, and uh, Sydney. But then when she gave her first press conference, it was just when, when they had their first press conference and it came her time to speak. She was just so bizarre. She was all over the place saying all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was pretty clear she had no idea what she was talking about. She had no evidence of fraud. And she was scolding and lecturing the reporters that they didn't know what they were talking about and this and that. So so she was very arrogant, very snotty, very snotty on social media, uh, you know, a know-it-all. And so I, I think that one of the reasons why people were so gleeful about her plea, more so than anybody else up to this point, was because of that, because of her snottiness and her arrogance yeah. during this entire. So to see her in tears, you know, pleading guilty and throwing herself in the mercy of the court and all of that, I think was very satisfying to a lot of people. Let's take a look at the uh, moment where the she. Before I play it, didn't she tell others to cry? Isn't there a wasn't there a few posts or something where Jenna Jenna Ellis was advising other people? that the way that you kind of present yourself well in these situations is to turn on the tabs. Well, I don't know that, but here's, here's what I'll say about that. This statement is completely unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know why she gave this statement. It made no, um, it made no difference whatsoever in the outcome of her, of her case. This is just an elocution that somebody makes. So there's no, no point. And it's not like the judge, Oh, I'm going to, I, I heard what you said, and I'm going to give you less probation. But it's performative, isn't it? It's for the camera. It's performative, it, it, but it it's... but it was it was not helpful to her with MAGA because right. if there's anybody who hated this statement, it was her own supporters hated this statement of what she had to say. So I didn't understand why she gave it at all. Because Sydney Powell didn't do one, right? And Nobody. So, yeah. Okay. Here she is. Has anyone forced, threatened, promised, or coerced you in any way to enter into this guilty plea? No, ma'am. Is it your decision to waive these rights and enter a guilty plea because you are, in fact, guilty? It is. How do you plead to aiding and abetting false statements and writings in, under accusation 23SC190514? Guilty. Thank you, Your Honor, for the opportunity to address the court. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I believe in and I value election integrity. If I knew then what I know now, 
I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, it's that last part where she burned her bridge with MAGA. Yeah. You know, I only got in one public dispute with her a couple years ago, and it, it her one line that she just said reminded me of that, which was she said, I represented my client, Donald Trump, to the best of her ability. Well, when she was fired, because Trump fired her like halfway through because she was such a disaster and Trump got Trump got rid of her. So I posted, you know, Trump fired her and she came back at me with, you know, I wasn't fired. Um, you know, I was never actually his attorney officially and I'm doing other things now and I'm pursuing a media career, you know, but now she's saying that, you know, she, Donald Trump was she was representing Trump. So. Yeah. Yeah, she's just a habitual liar. Yeah, but it was the same with Sidney Powell. I mean, there was an you know there was a, an argument thing. circulating where oh well he, you know she wasn't Trump's lawyer she was she was Rudy Giuliani's lawyer or and it's like Michael no. Michael Flynn's lawyer oh Michael Flynn's lawyer that's right yeah. and 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 yeah. it's like no I mean we've got there's plenty of evidence of Giuliani introducing the legal team including Sidney Powell and saying they're representing the Trump campaign and representing Donald Trump and it's like. You can you can argue it as much as you like. You know, the it is the very people here who are at the center of this investigation who are the ones that are are contradicting the the the, the new rhetoric. Um, yeah, she she might not have had a signed contract between her and Trump. Yeah, but she was on the Trump team and getting paid. Right, and and Trump always does this thing of well, I've never heard of her. <laughs> right, I don't know who she is. Which he did. Yeah, but you know, no no recollection whatsoever. And then of course. A million videos circulating, including, you know, us at Midas Touch basically contradicting everything. And even even Joe Biden's new campaign, Twitter campaign, the, the, the Biden-Harris HQ, where they are throwing stuff up all the time, contradicting stuff that's being said by the right. And, you know, this is the thing that I don't understand in this modern world of online communication is that there there are receipts all of this stuff comes with receipts and and yet these these maga people they they deny 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 despite knowing that there is video material and and photographic evidence well i've said this before like to to be on the left on social media is much more difficult to be on the right because we get fact checked like crazy by our followers. Like if, yeah. if I say one thing wrong or get one fact wrong or get a date wrong, I'm immediately corrected. And, and I don't mind that at all. I don't no, take quite it right. personally. Yeah. But on the right, there's no fact checking. Like, there's nobody out there that goes, oh, you got that wrong or no, that clip's doctored or edit. They don't do that on the right. So so you can you can kind of get away with it much more if you're on that side. Right. Um, we mentioned Rudy Giuliani just a, a moment ago. He is going down the batshit uh, route, uh, you know, and unraveling just as quickly as Donald Trump is at the moment. His latest argument is that Joe Biden must be a, a, an Iranian spy or that Iran has somehow infiltrated the, the Biden campaign. I'll play the clip and then we'll try and get our heads around what this uh, nutcase is talking about. But let's face it, he's on Iran's side. And he's on the and he's on Hamas's side. He is not on our side. We don't have a president now really functioning in the best interest of the United States. Plus, he's got a bunch of spies in his administration. This guy is working for Iran. Why? Maybe because they've infiltrated his administration the way the communists infiltrated Roosevelt's administration. 
America's mayor, ladies and gentlemen. He's really gone off the deep end, man. I yeah. mean, you know, his conspiracies, there's no end to them. And um, this one, this one, this, there is a conspiracy right now on the right that, and Rudy's latched on to this, that, um, you know, that there's some Hamas or pro Palestinian sympathizers in the Biden administration. And I think what it is, is it's really more like, you know, there's people that are that are sympathetic to Palestine, not not to Hamas. Well, and, to, to and innocent civilians people. being yes. caught up in in the yes. in the rocket attacks. That really is what it is. And and that is just humanity. It's right. not about taking sides. It doesn't mean that you're an Iranian spy right. if you don't want to see innocent Palestine civilians killed. Right. Um, so but that's where Rudy is. You know, Rudy will. So so not so what he's saying is that Biden is working for Iran because he's compromised. And then he talked, he, he he linked that up with communists being in Franklin Roosevelt's administration. I think who he's talking about is um Harry Haskins, who is who was suspected to be like a communist sympathizer, maybe who was an aide. I think that's who he's talking about. But I mean, to to think to to suggest that the FDR administration was communist or yeah. infiltrated it's by such communist. such a weird reference. It's as so well. crazy. It's like, yeah. No one bar you is going to pick up on it necessarily. Yeah. Just, it, has, it has no value. Yeah. Um, what are the chances of, of Rudy Giuliani flipping, you know, following? No, zero. Footsteps? No, no, no. Rudy will be the one guy who won't flip. No, right. he'll never flip on Trump. No, I think, you know, Rudy will take a bunch of pills and and you know do it the do it the old roman emperor way he'll be found floating in the hudson or something yeah he'll he'll take care of himself before he testifies against trump that that will never happen there, there was some talk online earlier of of donald trump kind of uh, admitting his guilt for for uh, eventually for in return for a uh, a shorter or no sentence i mean you can't do I was, it. no that's what that's what i was thinking i was i was going through his kind of mental pathology yeah, and thinking that in a million years that the, the narcissist in chief would never admit anything. He doesn't even admit that he threw ketchup on the wall. He's not going to admit to overturning the election or lying about election fraud, is he? No. In fact, uh, you know, whenever he's asked, like, to admit mistakes or like, can you can you name anything? You know, we all have things in our past where you could ask us are there things you would have done differently as a parent or in yeah. a job or yeah. in school or growing up we all have things that we could list if you ask donald trump those questions his answers are are nothing i mean mm. he, the only thing that he will say if you ask him what did you make any mistakes as president if you ask him that question he will only have one thing that he will say and that is that he appointed people who were not loyal right and that that's his only answer as so that's not that's not really he's not that's not a fault of him no. he's saying that's just well i i chose the wrong people because he blames other people even for that he says those people were recommended to me by others <laughs> so so even that is not his fault so so no trump trump the other reason why trump could never make a deal like that is because his credibility is 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 what props up his whole empire right now in terms of 
being the fighter, being the guy who's going to stick it to the man, fight the deep state. That's all the money's flowing in. Everything he is right now is wrapped up in that. The second that he admits guilt on something, all of that comes crashing down. So he cannot do it. This is, and he's talked about this election. When he talks about it's this election is about the survival of our country, what he is saying is this election is about his survival. Because yeah. if he doesn't win, his life is over, really. Good. Um, What's the effect on his base? Do you think that these cases and obviously him having to, you know, make speeches in the hallways of a courthouse and, you know, the the, the flipping, you know, the flipping of these four people now, is is this chipping away at the base in any way or is it just making them stronger? I think there's a sense of worry. I think there is. There is a sense of worry on his part. They'll pound their chests and, oh, this only makes us stronger. He only gets more support. The more they attack him, the better he is. That's the hardcore 25%, you know, yeah. feel that way. Okay. And I know who those people are very well. And you can't convince them. But the other half of MAGA is has some realism involved here. And, and what they worry about is the drain on his time his energy and his money is going to take, and, and eventually this this stuff is going to affect the public. And I think they get that the weight of this stuff is a lot to overcome. Because it is starting to affect him. And we've seen it him is. at rallies mispronouncing, Slurring miscalling, words. getting, uh, I've got a couple of clips here. First, let's, let's yeah. show the clip about um, Trump talking about the auto workers and electric vehicles. You know, it's, it's one of his, it's one of those subjects a little bit like, anything that is climate related you know when windmills windmills <laughs> instead of wind turbines and yeah. everything else that he really has very little knowledge on he doesn't know what Correct. climate change is he doesn't understand about global temperatures he pulled the country out of the paris climate accord without really knowing what it was he certainly didn't read it and so here he is talking again about the auto workers and their future here it is And I'm telling you, you shouldn't pay those dues. You should not pay your dues because they're selling you to hell. You're going to be going to hell. You're not going to have any jobs. All those cars are going to be made in China. Every one of them. You can forget it, Michigan. You can forget it, South Carolina. You can forget it, everybody. All of those cars are going to be made in China. Yeah, well, all of the Teslas are made in America. (laughs) For, um, for the American market. So there's the first thing. Chevy, huge investment in electric vehicles. Let's not forget, if you want to get your $7,500 rebate for an electric vehicle, it has to be made in America. And anyone who's bought a Chevy Bolt or a Volt or any of these cars is getting that because they're made in America. He doesn't know what he's talking about, Ron. Yeah, Trump's weakness is that he he acts like if he knows one thing about one thing, then he acts like he's an expert. This yeah. has always been Trump his whole life. So yeah. Trump has got it in his head that his he must win Michigan. And I think he's right. He, I mean, he's got to win two of the he's got to win either. You know, he's got to win two of the four of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia or Arizona. He's got to win two of the four. So Michigan's a critical state. And he, so he's got in his head, Michigan, auto, even though Michigan is much more than auto workers, but auto workers are important in Michigan. But he's got it in his head. I've got to win the auto workers, then I'll win Michigan, then I'll win the presidency. 
How do I win the auto workers? Well, he knows he's he's always been anti-union his whole life, so that's not going to work. So he's come up with this alternative argument, which is, hey, all this union stuff doesn't really matter because Biden wants all electric vehicles. He's put in mandates, wants mandates, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to, and you know, you don't make it electric vehicles. That's not, that's not true. There's that's no not true. That's not true. Vehicles. He lies yeah. about that. It's yeah. not, I think there, there's no mandates right now. I think no. there are there are goals and aspirations. Yeah, and there's, there's a goal to switch out from Correct. from from uh, combustion engines, but every country that has put a place, you know, a line in the sand has had to extend it and extend it and extend it, and that's just Correct. the reality. Yeah. But the other the other idea that all he's got this in his head that all electric cars are made in China, and all future electric cars are going to be made in China. What? Like, why can't we make them? I don't know. I. I no one's really asked him that. Why can't the U.S. make electric cars? Yeah. He has no. No one's really asked him that yet. Uh, but he's got it in his head that if that this is his argument, Biden is requiring all electric cars by X date. We don't make any. Therefore, all your jobs are going to be gone, and, and they're all going to be in China. Yeah. And that's how he's going to win Michigan. This is how his mind works. <laughs> so he isn't going to win win Michigan. The other the other thing I would say is that he also thinks that electric cars can only go a hundred miles. Oh, that's also part. He, of it. he doesn't realize that now they go three, four, five hundred miles, which is more than a gas tank, for goodness' sake. And he he, it's it's almost and, as and if he thinks he, they can only go like ten miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, he, he has absolutely no concept, and and yet anybody who has switched to an electric vehicle will never go back to an internal combustion engine. Literally, it is such a game changer. And yeah, the charging infrastructure is a bit of a problem, which is something they're working on. But he he's really missing the point of one of the biggest revol revolutionary moments in, in American retail. And that is that people are buying electric cars like they're going out of fashion. Because he doesn't he's care. Just, he's, Look, he's missing the boat. This is a guy... Who, li who has listened to the same 12 songs yeah. every day for his entire life. Yeah. It's on a loop. He plays the same 12 right. songs at Mar-a-Lago. This guy is stuck in the 1970s. Right? He, he's not interested in progress or science or anything like that. And he has like trigger words, doesn't he? I was thinking about this. Like if, uh, let's play a game, you and I. If I say a word, you tell me what Trump's going to say about it. <laughs> Chicago. Crime, shooting, right? yeah, the, the, a lot of black it. people shooting each other. Yeah, <laughs> Detroit. That's what Trump would say. Yeah, <laughs> let's make this clear so I don't yeah. get I don't get a clipped here. It, we're talking about Trump. Yes, yeah. but you could play buzzword bingo with sure, Donald I Trump. Can do it he, all day. It's just yeah. trigger words where yeah. he goes into a, a routine that he's been doing for years. And it, it, it doesn't change with the times. Yeah, you could bring and, up Germany and he's going to talk about NATO. Right. And they're not paying their fair share. And right. I mean, that's what he knows about Germany. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just he's he's got he, he knows one thing about a certain topic and that's it. You know? And yet he says, nobody knows more about no. the climate than me. Nobody knows more about electric vehicles than me. Um, let's uh, play one final clip of Trump. This is where he miscalls. Um, he's talking about Viktor Orban. And he, he well, I won't, I won't give it away. I don't want to say the punchline because it's kind of funny. And then we'll talk about it after. Here he is. Had a lot of the horrible things. The world is exploding. If you take a look, I mean, the whole world is exploding. 
You know, I was very honored as a man, Victor Orban. Did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world. And he, uh, he's the leader of, right? He's the leader of Turkey. Fronts on both Russia. He says he's the leader of Turkey. He says it quietly because he, he actually probably he's knows not sure. that he's, he's wrong, right? Yeah, he, he's not he, sure. Right. So yeah, Erdogan, just so we know, Erdogan is the leader of Turkey. Viktor Orban is the far-right and fascist leader of Hungary, and, and who Trump idolizes because, of course, he loves a dictator. But in the clip, he kind of says, Turkey, under under his breath because he kind of can't remember. Right. He does this all the time. I mean, uh, in his speeches now where he he will do that. He'll he he'll start going into something and then he'll not know the answer or he'll not know the country or the name. And he'll just trail off and change the subject. He does this constantly in his speeches now. He did not used to do this as much four years ago or eight years ago, but it's constantly now. And I don't know if it's just age, cognitive decline, if it's um. If it's uh, the, all the stress of the trials and all of that getting to him or a combination of all that. But, you know, the interesting thing is Ron DeSantis is finally calling him out yes. uh, on this stuff and yes. is finally saying this guy's losing it. He's not all there. And, hey, he finally a Republican candidate is saying this. Mm. Chris Christie's been saying some interesting stuff the last 48 hours, hasn't he? He did that speech about him not being perfect, and he said, stop falling for candidates who claim that they are perfect. Hmm. I didn't hear him say that, but that's a good line. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, it's weird with Chris Christie, because obviously if you, if you are, you know, have, have political connections to him or his district and, you know, the, the bridge stuff and everything else, then you have, a, you have very strong opinions. But he actually speaks... To me, as a as a layperson, he speaks the language of modernity. You know, he is not stuck in the past. He knows how to talk about emotions, and you know, he to, even the way he talks about how he struggled with his weight his whole life. And and I do find that that's interesting because it's different to every other Republican candidate. He's a good debater, and and that's and he's good in town halls, and that's why. Trump brought him in to help him prep for the debate and almost yeah. killed him by giving him COVID uh, because Chris Christie is an excellent debater. Yeah. Uh, the problem for Chris Christie is he doesn't he doesn't uh, present well, let's say that. And he has a terrible record in New Jersey as governor. Yeah. And um, and um, he's he's corrupt. But other than that, he's he'd be a fine candidate. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. This country is amazing, isn't it? Let's let's finish with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, she has signed an order. Uh, she's governor of Arkansas, right? She's signed an order banning woke phrases. This is her new thing, right? Yeah, if they demean women. So, <laughs> and, and I can't even imagine any of these phrases were even used in the Arkansas state government. I, I don't think they probably were, but she was just trying to like, make a splash, you know, and uh, also the outfit that she wore was pretty interesting while she's doing this. But yeah, I mean, she announces like she's going to ban all these words that she probably found in some manual or book somewhere. Uh, Most of them are trans related phrases. Um, So she's gone into um, the urban dictionary. And I I find it hard to believe that these phrases are widely used in Arkansas, but she banned them. It's so crazy that there's so many important things to deal with, you know, like the, the, especially in, in, in places like that. And yet this is the stuff that maybe she uses because it wants to, you know, gets her on the news. Let's take a look at her making this announcement. 
Yeah, the idea that we have this just absolute insanity, we are now living in a world where everything is crazy versus what's normal. And the left continues to push this woke agenda, basically trying to erase the differences of women versus men, ignoring all of science and biology, and completely ignoring the fact that women have a unique perspective. Only women can actually give birth, no matter how many different ways they say it. That fact is completely based in science and reality, and we are no longer going to allow them to redefine terms that weaken and, frankly, demean women here in state government documents and here in the state of art. I never actually hear Democrats explaining why there is question over genders that can give birth. Now, for those who are still confused about it, if you are born female and you, you have a womb and a functioning physiology for childbirth, and but you are also trans and you change your gender to male, there is a chance that as a male you might choose to give birth. That's your right. It, it, has, it has happened. And it has and happened. it's very rare, but and it has happened. Right. And this is the thing that the Republicans either can't get their head around or refuse to accept. You know, there are millions of trans people in this country, millions. And yet it is a total denial of these people's rights. And, and it is so, you know, for the, for the LGBTQ plus community, these people just sound so dumb. Yeah. I mean, one of the, an example of one of the phrases she banned was birth person, because they are upset that what they're saying is that the word mother should be used to describe someone who gave birth yeah. and not birth person. I, I I suppose that there are people somewhere that use the term birth person. I have never heard anybody but who cares, use it, but I don't thing. care. It doesn't bother me. Care. It doesn't threaten me, you know? <laughs> So, yes, the, but for them, this is, you know, how to raise money, how to fundraise, how to get people worked up and how to divert attention from the way for, away from her corruption with her her lectern lectern scandal. Yeah. yeah. For those who don't know, she supposedly spent nineteen thousand dollars on a, a lectern, which is just under the threshold for donations or something. Is that right? And it was yeah. Well, the she books. spent it on something else. I think a vacation or something. But she oh, right. she claimed it was for a lectern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's some lectern. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, listen. It's been a pleasure. We 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 have to finish. It's an historic day as there is a new speaker of the house uh, who happens to be a, a far right Christian nationalist MAGA Republican, Mike Johnson. Uh, every House Republican voted for him. Uh, so here on Midas Touch, we are going to do our best to expose the, 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 the extremist rhetoric coming from him. He's an insurrectionist as well, doesn't believe that Joe Biden is the legitimate winner of the 2020 election. So there'll be a lot of ramifications with that. Ron, just before we finish, tell us about your role as editor-in-chief of MidasTouch.com. What can people look forward to if they go there? Well, yeah, on our website, I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to produce really an alternative to Twitter. I mean, a, a really good function by having, we're not trying to be the New York Times. We're not trying to be the Washington Post and do a lot of long form stuff. We do some, but we have seven writers, including myself. And we're really trying to do break news, quick hitting stuff, including a lot of clips. And we're trying to get stuff out really fast as it's happening throughout the day, 24 seven. And um, so again, it, it's sort of like 
I think if you didn't want to go on Twitter and you wanted to go on a website to kind of get something that is Twitter, but not Twitter, like a similar format, um, that's what our website is designed to be. It's sort of like Twitter plus, you know, it's not, it's not the New York times. Uh, and so we're having a lot of fun with it. It's hard work. It's, uh, we're busy constantly. Um, but it's a lot of fun too. Well, you always seem to be first with the story, and I think that's what really matters. You know, you get it up there first, and then you flesh out the details. So um, MidasTouch.com for all the latest. I'm Anthony Davis. He's Ron Filipkowski. We'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of Uncovered. You can catch me every morning on the 5-Minute News podcast, and I'll be here on Sunday evening for the weekend show. Looking forward to that. Have a great week, Ron. You too.